You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Donor Growth Podcast. Mike and I are going deep into startup land. We think that growth needs us, maybe our input. I don't know. We feel like we can add a whole ton of value to that moment in a nonprofit's life where it's either starting or scaling up versus when it's already a large established nonprofit. And this is, I think, Mike, the beginning of that exploration, right? You shared an article with me that we're going to talk about later that's been hyper viral. Everybody knows about it. And you think it has a lot to do with those very few first steps that nonprofits have to take to start growing and scaling up. Yes, you and I have been debating what should donor growth be? Who should we be for? You know, this whole thing has been experiment. We've done a little bit of work for people. We're debating if donor growth is more than just a podcast. And so in that exploration, we've decided, well, the people that we think we can help the most or within the nonprofit sector, the people that we really like hanging out with the most is is kind of in the startup and just post startup sort of phase. Most of the time, organizations below like 5 million in revenue, most of the time below 3 million in revenue, which is actually a majority of nonprofits out there. And today's topic is hopefully an encouragement for those organizations that you don't need to pursue this thing we call scale. Everybody just wants scale. We just want to scale up. We want scale, 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 more donors, more budget, more money, more this even big shops fall into this trap. And mm-hmm. I guess I guess the theory we're going to talk about today is that growth might be right in front of you with the people you already have or people adjacent to the people you already have. Yeah. And also, I've read a mental model to understand scaling in nonprofits. We very often think of scaling as being kind of horizontal, going sideways uh, about breadth, right? This model from a a university professor, Professor Nardini, says that actually the most successful nonprofits go deep first and then broad. So it's kind of like a T model. So we'll talk about that some other time. But this first step is the depth stage. And you think that it's fairly accepted now, right? What you have to do at this stage. And nonprofits maybe in some situations are confused because they see a lot of advice that is going for the people who are pursuing breadth, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And also there is, because the profession has become professionalized there is a ton of resources and a ton of advice and i mean we've got a free podcast out here right like there's so much stuff that people can listen to and read and i know um, like any any crack pop crack jack whatever the saying is we'll just go on a podcast and start (laughs) giving their opinion it's horrible (laughs) right uh and so it's like well it's you know what actually matters to me? What should I actually do? What is actually the right way to start? And mm-hmm. this is something for you to consider what we're going to talk about today and to weigh against some of the other stuff. Okay. So your premise, you only need a thousand donors to be successful. Where does that come from? How did you get that idea? Yeah, totally not an original idea. In, in fact, this has been an idea that's been around for almost 15 years. So in 2008, Wired editor Kevin Kelly wrote, I think what might be the most viral blog post of all time. 
And it was the idea of you need a thousand fans. And he, he talked about the internet affording independent artists and creators and photographers and writers and, and you know, all these people who were previously mm -hmm. employed at a company to practice their craft. He predicted mm -hmm. that in a, in a not so distant future, as long as you can get a thousand followers or fans online, you're going to be able to make a very good living for yourself. And by the way, he was right. <laughs> you can totally make a living nowadays practicing your craft if you're decent at it. You don't need that many customers. And especially if you've got a recurring revenue model, a lot of people are doing this now. So how is this any different from what came before? And why was this a new thing? Or was this one of those situations where somebody just came up with a smart sentence and you know it sounded new, but it really wasn't? Were there like structural changes that made it suddenly possible that with a thousand donors or followers or whatever, you can be successful? Yeah, the only structural change was that the internet allowed, allowed you to be constantly connected to those thousand customers or uh -huh. followers or fans so you could actually build a community around your thing right okay um, where before you had to go and you had to find a thousand customers somehow in person i guess and then for you to get a second purchase so to speak from them or a recurring revenue model that was a lot harder and the internet made okay. all of that a lot more possible so it's a depth play, kind of going back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's been books written about this now. There's been companies created on top of this idea. There's been tons of companies of one created out of this idea. And there's lots of people who have dispelled the idea, and we can maybe get into that. But I think this idea is more salient than ever before, sort of post-COVID where we're at. And I think it makes a ton of sense for nonprofits. And we can do the math later, but you can do a lot of stuff with a thousand donors. And I mean like a thousand donors as in a thousand active donors, right? Not just a thousand records in your database. But okay. So like loyal donors, like how deep are we talking? Uh, loyal donors? Yeah, at least uh, one gift per year. Yeah. At least one gift per year for maybe a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like, oh my goodness, Mike. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, that's hitting me. I'm connecting the two ideas. Like when I look at files, if a place has a thousand loyal donors, there's huge potential. Right. Yep. Because the byproduct of having a thousand loyal donors is more donors. It is better engagement because those people are going to involve other people. They're going to show up to events. They're going to do the peer-to-peer -peer thing when you ask them to. Some of them are going to give more and more. Some of them are going to leave you a gift in their will. Some of them are going to become monthly donors. Makes a ton of sense. Also, kind of, I know some folks are going to be thinking, well, uh, what if somebody skips a year, you know, and but they still want to be involved? We're using loyalty, giving loyalty as kind of a proxy right? It's a proxy measure of, you know, maybe what you call true believer, Mike. I've heard you use this word. Yeah. It yeah, may we use true they skip a year, but they, they, sorry, but they remain involved. They come to all our events, you know, all of that, but it's a really good proxy. I mean, yeah. it's fairly predictive. Yeah. We use, we use the term true believer. And honestly, that could be somebody who makes one gift in a 24 month span, but it's somebody who actually likes what you do. They keep raising their hand you keep seeing them engage. Um, they're, you know, there's somebody who's bought into what you do. Well, I think another development of the digital world, and now we're all going to turn into a, a little figure in the metaverse, but, you know, mm -hmm. a, a new development of the internet has been the ability to measure engagement much more granularly and just, 
maybe sometimes just measure it at all, full stop. So you can tell who that person is, even if you're separated by distance, right? You can tell if they're opening emails, if they're joining your online events or you know, whatever. Before, there were a few ways you could tell, but for the most part, you were sending them a magazine or a newsletter in the mail, and you were hoping that they were engaging with that. You couldn't really tell. Right. So yep. an added benefit. And I think a kind of a different way to think about it. It's not that the internet allows us to send more spam. Right. I, I agree with you. It does allow us to send more spam, but it also yeah. allows us to build a community of a thousand donors who are more engaged. And and again, a thousand donors is a bit of a, you know, I, I think you could do this with 500 donors. I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples. Okay. Let's, <laughs> if, you, if you've got 12 people who are fully bought in and are committing their lives to something, you can also do it with 12 people. But a thousand donors is, we're just going to riff on this idea because yeah. we're going to do the math later on what a thousand donors might allow you to achieve. And certainly I've seen files with 500 or 600 or 700 donors raise quite a bit of money for the size of the file. Oh my goodness. And I've seen 500 donors per year. I mean, true loyal donors, true believers in your sense, Mike, raise much more than that. 6 million. I have a personal anecdote here, Mike, before we go maybe into the actual strategy that like there's this idea that's great. And then you we're going to, you're going to lead us into thinking of what that means for the strategy. But something I struggle a little with is that people ask how many colleagues are involved in the donor participation project. Mm-hmm. And it's not a huge number. And when you say a number, you know, one number compares to any other number, right? So how many donors do you have? I have a thousand donors says one nonprofit. And the other nonprofit says I have 2000. Yes, but they're just superficial. They're not these true believers. And there's a very, very important qualitative aspect, that depth. And I struggle to communicate that. And I think that's what the the article that you shared earlier was brilliant at at doing. Yeah, especially, I mean, the file size often has very little to do with how quote unquote successful somebody might be with their fundraising. Uh, There's a lot of large files out there who are, the CRM is burdened by the weight of people who came in through a peer-to-peer event and made a $5 gift and will never, ever give again, but who will be in that CRM for the next 20 years. Yeah. Questions will be asked if you don't mail them every single time. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean for actual strategy of a startup nonprofit or a nonprofit that's scaling up? Yeah. One more thing I want to get into is what this means. If you buy into this idea that you only need a thousand donors, then the easiest way to grow is to keep those 1000 donors. So retained donors are a lot more valuable to you than new donors. The donors you already have right in front of you are a lot more valuable to you than the ones that you hope to acquire because donors you already have are more likely to become monthly givers. They're more likely to become mid-level donors. They're more likely to become legacy donors and leave a gift in their will. They're more likely to attend your events, to volunteer for your cause, to get their friends and family involved for peer-to-peer activities. So if you want to grow, if you want to start to grow, The best place to start is with the people who are already right in front of you. That's that's the quickest path to revenue. It's the quickest path to growth. Most donor files that we've looked at had a lot of unlocked value before even talking about new donor acquisition, before even talking sometimes about lapsed, like just the people who are already giving to you for a lot of donor files, there's a lot of unlocked value there. So if you believe in the idea, if you buy into this that, hey, I can do a lot with a thousand true believers. 
if you buy into that idea, you might already be there with with the people right in front of you. You know, the image that you share early about the disciples, I can't get it out of my mind, Mike. And I think that there is a balance here where the idea of a thousand donors is super powerful. But it's also interesting to me because it's about depth that goes Maybe you don't have to go all the way to that level. You just have to do better than what people are experiencing already from nonprofits. Right. Yeah. To be um, clear, the, the, the disciples were like, I'm not, you know, I don't think you should ask a thousand donors to give up their life and follow you. If you manage to do that, I truly think you would change the world. Uh, maybe in a bad way. Maybe in a bad way. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on what kind of cult leader you are. But I mean, 12 people fully bought in, giving up their lives, doing whatever it takes, moving as one. That's a powerful idea, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. And Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, I think the point was for this horrible digression, sorry, Mike, that there are levels to this, yeah. that there are levels of the depth of that connectivity and that it's not an all or nothing. And if you're just doing better than average, you can make this work. You can you can get on a growth path. Right. Yeah. Should we do some yeah, some so quick quick back at the napkin math to see what a thousand donors could what, what kind of revenue numbers you could be talking about? This is going to be magical. I can feel it in my bones. Okay. Let's take a thousand donors. Uh, they're all going to make a gift this year. Um, mm -hmm. Let's take let's take ten of those donors. So that's one percent of your donor file. And certainly, when you and I look at donor files, the top one percent are usually accounting for quite a bit of revenue. Mm -hmm. So let's take the top top 10 donors. Let's say they're going to give $100,000. I think that's reasonable. You may very well have donors who can give a lot more, but let, let's stick with sort of middle of the road, reasonable numbers. Mm -hmm. So that's a million dollars from your top 1%. Okay. Let's take the next 20 donors. So the next 2%. Mm -hmm. And... They are not quite as generous, or generosity is is a relative term. Their gifts aren't okay. quite as generous. mid-level or whatever. Yeah, okay. Let, Next let's say they give fifty k per year. Still a major donor, but at fifty k per year, so that's another million dollars. Okay. So you're already at two million dollars, and you've only raised money from thirty donors so far. Great. Fire everybody um, else. Yeah. So let's let's take the remaining seventy. So now now we've accounted for the top ten percent of the donor file. And Pareto is a thing of the past. Eighty twenty is out the door. Ninety ten is the is the new norm, right, Lewis? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. Even more skewed. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So so ten percent of your donor file for a lot of donor files providing ninety percent of all the revenue. Okay. So let's take the seventy donors. That's seven percent. Let's say they're each going to give twenty k. So that's another one point four million. So. Yeah. Just your top 10% of donors are contributing 3.4 million. Huge. And we've seen donor files that have thousands of donors on the CRM who are raising a million or a million and a half, right? So this is already, this in and of itself. Okay. So what you're saying is that huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Okay. What is exactly the missed opportunity here? They have people in the database. You know, did they have a relation? Like, how deep was that relationship? How how many true believers were there? Yeah, it's the missed opportunity is the mm -hmm. relationship that leads to major gifts, right? Which can sometimes be quite a long relationship. It can mm -hmm. sometimes takes years to get a major gift. Yeah. 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 Great. I have a metric for that that I feel sometimes. It's the numbers that we look at. So again, if somebody takes that 1,000 donors to a board meeting, 
and says, we have a thousand donors. And then th that conversation just goes a different way. It's, it doesn't lead down, down this path, you know, of we're trying to get, to create, to develop relationships and true believers is to look at the people who have given to you three years in a row. And it's a proxy, another proxy kind of made up. What if somebody skipped a year? Okay. The point is that if you're trying to grow that, you're going to do things that are going to help everybody else. Yep, exactly. All right. So that, that accounts for a hundred donors. So top, top 10%. Now there's, so there's 900 donors remaining. Let's say at 400 of those, we're going to take mm -hmm. a step down from 20K per year to $240 per year. Great. These are your monthly donors. No, because of the number. Yeah. These are monthly donors. Um, okay. That's it's about 20 bucks a month. Okay. Um, which is a very, for monthly giving, most of our clients, the average monthly gift is higher than that. But that's a very approachable monthly gift, 10, 15, mm -hmm. 20. That's almost another million in revenue right there. Um, so now we're at you know, four, and a, four and a half ish in revenue, almost 4.4 million revenue. So then okay. we've got 500 donors remaining. Mm -hmm. Out of the thousand, and remember, these are true believers. So, so these are these are people that we've said they're they're kind of in it. They've they're making regular gifts. Let's say uh, the five hundred remaining ones are going to give you a hundred dollars a year. That's another half a mil. So, okay, I'm bad with keeping numbers in my head. What's the grand total? I mean, we have a rule: no public math, right? So, I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna attempt to do that. But it's almost five million. It's uh. Wow couple hundred thousand dollars shy of five million. Wow. I think this applies to so many things in life. And even to the recipients or the intended audience of that original article, right? All those artists and those content creators, to some extent, nonprofits have needed to, you know, can benefit a whole lot from thinking in this way. But I also see artists too. I see like some of the bigger ones, how they could benefit from a major gifts team. And which, which leads me to think that having a solid major gifts thing is kind of a really important part of this. So yeah. not asking everybody for the same amount of money. No. Very crudely. And, and you've got a great framework that you recently shared on Twitter, which is the bell curve, right? Mm -hmm. Which is major giving is the largest lever that you can pull. The returns are outsized compared to what we sometimes call annual giving or whatever. But annual giving is lead gen for, for major gifts. It's pipeline for monthly giving. It's pipeline for legacy giving. And it brings a lot of life and brings this like dynamic feeling to your file because things are happening. They're involving friends. Even if it's small time stuff, sometimes you're starting to feel like you're building a bit of a community. The feeling is... Totally different. So there is such a thing as uh, not only income inequality, but trust inequality. And I see this in more and more nonprofits, unfortunately, where they have that major donor group that's very happy and that loves the, the leadership and is very close to the leadership and will respond to emails. And the everybody else group who is progressively disaffected. And when they answer, they're angry. And that wears down on the staff too, right? Mm -hmm. you, were, you were in this for the mission, but most of the feedback you're getting from people is negative. So right. it's a totally different dynamic. And I think a little bit of the premise of donor growth, Mike, whatever we end up making this, is that it's possible to have both. Right. So let's talk about the path to 5 million. We outlined the path to 5 million. Here, here's how you could get to 5 million. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Louis, in this path, you've got uh, 30 major donors, you've got 70 mid-level donors, you've got 400 
monthly donors and you've got 500 sort of annual fund donors mm-hmm. that are raising 5 million. How much do you think you have to invest in revenue operations to make that work? Just like, well, like staffing. from staffing yeah. and database. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you've, you've thought of this a whole lot more than than I have. Let's think of this. Let's start with the major gifts team that's raising 3.4. Yeah. The very least a director and a kind of associate assistant director. Then we need database management. One person on staff at the very least for gift coordinate, you know, gift entry, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have an outsourced database admin for the more technical stuff. And then I would totally call build good to handle the rest of the file. But if you're doing it in-house, I don't know. Well, I've seen pretty lean teams in like more established nonprofits Mm -hmm. that would get away with two, three people running that. But that's also if there's a tradition and of, you know, if you already have those loyal, I don't know if you're, if you're building that loyalty, it's kind of different. You, You need to invest a little bit more there. Is that ballpark? I mean, is that what you were thinking? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I don't know what that clocks in at uh, money-wise. In my estimation, way below a million. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe even, you know, depending on how you're structured. Yeah, no no public math. I'm not doing the public math here, but thinking of salaries plus infrastructure and support costs, almost never skimp on. So having a good database, having it set up right, having the right software or additional software sales enablement or you know whatever you're using all of that which i've read can be you know you you might budget 1 to 2k per month in additional cost per employee yeah let's call it a million because that gives us a very healthy budget and okay. because because that accounts for it also accounts for the fact that to be very clear we're talking about a thousand donors. We're not talking about a thousand people on file. In order to get to a thousand true believers, a thousand donors, you're going to need a lot more people than that on file because look at your retention rates and model it out. And you kind of know, okay, I'm going to need to engage a decent amount of people to get to the number a thousand active donors. So let's so let's call it a million, a million dollars in budget and you're raising five. That's you know a five to one uh, if I had a machine at home and I put in a loonie for all of our American friends, that's a dollar, a dollar Canadian coin. I put in a loonie and I got back uh, $5 every time I did that. I don't know what you, I'd be standing there all day long putting in loonies. Yeah. And you mentioned that there's stuff missing in here, right? Even more revenue, most notably legacy giving. Yeah. So this doesn't really account for upgrades or legacy giving or or all of those wonderful revenue byproducts that happen from people who are involved with you over a long period of time. Okay. So devil's advocate here, where people yeah. get stuck is not when you're actually there and you have those 1,000. It's how do I go from here? Maybe we have 300 donors of this type to the 1,000. You know, like the, what's the incremental next step? I think there's going to be very few teams who say, okay, we're going to believe that this is possible. We're going to start spending a million dollars and, yeah. you know, in advance before we the money is it. So uh, lots of nonprofits thinking of startups are bootstrapped. Yeah. I think that most nonprofits, right? So counter challenge, how do I get to a thousand donors might be the wrong question to start with. Mm-hmm. The, the concept of a thousand true donors 
is I think the question is the donors I already have in front of me. Mm-hmm. How can I, like you said, how can I go deep with them to get the most out of what I already have? And that's the Bill Good fundraising flywheel, no? All over again. So you you have people in front of you and you're going to start building relationships from an investment perspective that might be a stewardship officer, maybe yeah. at the beginning. No, those are the first few steps. Tell us about that. You, 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 I mean, everybody knows it's Mike Dirksen. He has a framework for this. What, <laughs> what is it? Yeah, I very briefly talk about the fundraising flywheel, which again is not rocket science. It is just like five... Uh, simple steps. They're not easy, but it's simple. And it starts with listening to donors. And we've talked about this, both looking at your data, which Lewis does very, very well. And then uh, some qualitative research to actually talking to your donors, um, because the data can tell you what the data is. The data can tell you why the, the data is like o- only conversations can do that. So having conversations, engaging donors, uh, we've got a, a few episodes on this. Uh, we've got an episode on the community advantage. We've got an episode on engagement scoring. We've got an episode on the sustainable revenue engine that Lewis came up with. That's all about engagement. And then then asking. You'll notice asking is third. It is not the first thing you do because by the time you ask, you've done enough things between the asks. And again, we've got an episode on things you, sh- you can do between the asks that make the ask successful, <laughs> that the ask is a lot easier and, and you're a lot more successful when you actually go and make the ask. Yeah, um, and ask boldly, ask aggressively if you've done yeah. the previous steps, right? Yep. And specifically and clearly, like have an offer. Don't let yourself get away with asking for broad pie in the sky, sort of just partner with us kinds of asks. Get as specific and clear as you possibly can on what you need, why you need it, what it will achieve, what the outcomes are, what does the desired future state look like, and what does the yeah. world look like if you don't get the funding? Yeah. I love, Mike, that, sorry to interrupt, but I love the way I, I've taken this from you, which is ask for something that you could take a photo of and then send back to the donor. It's yeah. that specific. Yeah, if you can see, here, feel it, touch it, sometimes imagine it, yeah. Those are, that's a good place to start. And then we talk about celebrating, not thanking. It, it, it is thanking, but but words shape meaning and reality. And BJ Fogg at Stanford University, he, he did this whole research study on what creates habits. And turns out that if we celebrate something, we are more likely to repeat it. So um, celebrating donors' generosity to create a giving habit. And then reporting back, the last step is reporting back in a responsive and real-time way which I'm always surprised. This is one of the biggest advantages nonprofits have and something that so few of them do very well because you're all sitting in an office talking about this amazing thing that just happened today. And nobody goes, huh, I wonder if we should share that with our donors. (laughs) You'll notice that major gifts officers perk up and after the meeting, they sometimes go and make a call because that's the stuff they need. They They know. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, but somehow we are gatekeeping all of the good stuff from most of our donors, from our large, you know, broader base of donors. So two things before they ask and two things after they ask. And when you start doing those in a cycle, one, two, three, four, five, go back to the beginning. You say that you're well on your way to those 1000 true believers. Yeah, I can't make any financial promises or claims because I might get sued because this is also aired in the US, I think. And you're you're a more litigious crowd than we are. <laughs> oh boy. That hurt deeply. Um, My lawyers will call you. Uh, this yeah, that's what I was afraid of. 
Uh, I'm just kidding. You can't fail if you do this well. Uh, you're putting your best foot forward. For all of those who have weathered insults in this show, who have weathered bad jokes, who have had to put up with us, we're so grateful to have you. I think we've gone over 40 episodes, Mike, Mark, whatever you're calling yourself these days. And we truly appreciate you. We want to hear back from you, especially if you're in that startup mode. It doesn't have to mean that you are a total startup. The organization, maybe your shop is a startup in, inside an established nonprofit. But if you feel like you're at a startup or a scale up, um, we'd love to talk with you, maybe bring you on the show and just have a chat with you. Thanks, everybody, for joining the Build Growth Podcast. And we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and BuildGood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.